broadcasting glorious purpose across the interdimensional airwaves. This is Bo, aka Loki Variant HTJM84. And Lorraine, aka Loki Variant RVJM91. And you are tuned into the most mischievous show in the multiverse where we are talking all things Loki. This episode, episode three of season two. 1893. I keep on getting the numbers mixed up in my head, but all things considered, that's probably appropriate because we, we're dealing with a lot of a uh, lot of times, a lot of time jump in this episode. How you doing today, Lorraine? I'm great. I'm really glad I've got my tea here with me. Really excited to jump into this exciting episode. That's right. Okay, so this is actually good. Commenting on the tea is appropriate because, of course, we are broadcasting live over at the TV Talk YouTube channel, and we're doing so this week. Early in the morning on a Friday. So a little bit different than what we've done the last couple of weeks, but you know, it's great. We've got more of a morning show type of energy going with that. Of course, Lorraine, you're also recovering from COVID at the same time. I, I'm great. You see, the tea is what's keeping me going. Well, that's good. And that's it's, good. You know, an hour later here, so it's not that early. Well, the best part about this is that for the first time in the history of Loki TV Talk, we've actually had time to consider the episode and process things and like <laughs> let some theories and some stabs in the dark like marinate a little bit. And I think we've got a lot better, at least for my part, I've got a lot better commentary this week than I feel like I've had in the previous weeks. Yes, definitely a lot less of this whole like what's going on feeling because I've already yes. watched it twice. Well, and it's interesting, right? I mean, we're about to get into the actual episode, but if you think about the way they're structuring things, I think that last week's episode is going to make a ton more sense by the time that we get to the end of the series, because there's clearly a ton of time travel shenanigans at play and the devils are in the details. So, I mean, like looking at the way in which they present the various timelines when people are jumping from here to there. I think that's going to play in pretty majorly. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, before we get into it, we want to encourage y'all, uh, head over to uh, Instagram. You can follow Crew of Loki. Uh, we are a member of the Crew of Loki Mardi Gras crew, uh, founding members of such crew as well. So if you're interested in seeing some of our shenanigans from last year, if you're interested in seeing us prepare for the uh, upcoming Mardi Gras season and this next coming year, uh, that is the place to do it. We will all be dressed like Lokis, and I'm I'm very excited for where that's going. We'll have some more uh, uh, chat about that at the very tail end of this episode, if that's something of interest to you at all. If not, don't worry. We're about to talk about this uh, this year episode. You ready for this? Let's do it. Let's jump into the Rune Down. Episode three of season two. 1893. This one's directed by Kasra Farahani and story by Eric Martin. Lorraine, what happened this episode? Loki and Mobius know that Miss Minutes was working with Renslayer, so they track her tempad on a branched timeline, first to 1868, then in 1893 at the Chicago World's Fair. There, they see Victor Timely, a variant of He Who Remains, presenting his loom prototype. It's revealed that before his demise, He Who Remains sent Miss Minutes and Renslayer to 1868, where they would drop the TVA manual for Timely to find. Timely then has three groups chasing after him. Loki and Mobius, who want to use his aura to fix the loom. Renslayer and Miss Minutes, who want Timely to take his variant's place with them at his side. And Sylvie, who wants to kill him to prevent his rise to power. After Sylvie corners Timely, she allows Loki to take him back to the TVA, then sends Renslayer and Miss Minutes to the end of time, where they see he who remains his corpse. Miss Minutes reveals that she knows a secret about Renslayer. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, to be fair, it's not he who remains his corpse so much as it is he who remains his remains. Wow. <laughs> wow. When's your stand-up special? Oh, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, forthcoming for sure. Um, oh, my gosh. All right. So much happened this episode. It was one of these uh, episodes where we get some pretty big reveals, but then they also offered up more questions than answers, which is always my favorite type of, uh, you know, when there's a lot of mysteries going on, you never want all the answers. You just want just enough so that you are asking five new questions <laughs> about the information you're given. Exactly. There's a lot that we can process in this episode. Let's start off with the title character, of course, with Loki, because honestly, this really wasn't much of a Loki centric episode, but we do get kind of a reminder of what's going on with Loki in the sense that, you know, he's bumming it up with Mobius. They've got this whole buddy cop thing, but there's a brief pause to remember that, Hey, Loki, 
you're a Norse god. Remember when you were a Norse god? <laughs> you know, I, I kind of miss the horns if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, I miss the horns as well. It definitely was uh, funny to watch him look up and be like, wow, I should be up there. <laughs> so there is kind of an interesting like commentary that's going on in that kind of brief pause moment and looking at these statues. There is the kind of the upholding of his siblings and his father in these kind of iconic celebrated ways where, of course, Loki in Norse mythology, he's the villain. He's the trickster god. He's responsible for the end of the world and like all of these, you know, kind of negative attributes that would play into, of course, who we see him in the, you know, quote unquote future uh, of the first Avengers movie where he is the first major villain of the Avengers. And so he's not celebrated by anybody, either past, present, or future. And so there's that kind of tinge of like disconnect from that, maybe even kind of a missing his family to some extent, even though he was constantly rebelling against his father and tricking his brother. And he just completely straight up dismisses Boulder, who, by the way, shouts out to Boulder the Brave. <laughs> I also was like, who is that? So Boulder the Brave, massive character from Norse mythology. This is somebody who's uh, kind of a a hero-esque character, kind of a, a pivot, like kind of honest, honestly, like one of the kind of higher tier heroic uh, characters in Norse mythology, him. And actually speaking of tier tier uh, would also be another um, one of these kind of large scale pantheon characters from Norse mythology. Balder the brave is actually also a Marvel comics character. That one actually did make the jump in the same way that Thor did. And fun fact that is probably pretty well known by most people who are tuning in this podcast. Balder the brave was, uh, supposed to actually appear in Multiverse of Madness, played by Daniel Craig. Why didn't he? Yeah, no, he had to. He had, he, he didn't for the same reason that you are recovering right now. Oh no! Yep, COVID the kept bit? Daniel Craig from being bold of the brave. Brave, and you got to remember they shot that whole scene during kind of the height of COVID as well, which is why most of those characters appealed in, <laughs> appeared in green screen, and why he was ultimately replaced by Reed Richards. Uh, uh, by you know Jim from the Office, essentially being Reed Richards on on the screen. So that was originally supposed to be wow. Bold of the Brave. Wait, or is that uh, right? It, or was it? It may have actually been uh, Black Bolt who was supposed to be Bold of the Brave. I'm actually kind of blanking. It was one of the two, but yeah, he got he got switched out for a different character. Wow. Yeah. Now I know. Now you know. But that's the thing. I love Loki's like ah, people don't even know know who he is. Like you just kind of dismissing. yeah. I was like, well, I don't. So you're accurate about one person at least. But here's the thing. I think this is like, so there's the comical element of that, right? But then there's something kind of interesting about the relationship that exists between the TVA and Norse mythology and just kind of Loki's place in the pantheon of mythology, right? He's he's the trickster. He's uh, He's a god of chaos. This is kind of punctuated later when Renslayer says, you know, I'm order to stop the chaos. And then Sylvie, who herself is a Loki, comes in in that moment. I was actually very glad that she didn't say, and I'm the chaos, which would have been too cheesy and over the top. But that's yeah. basically what her presence says. It's like hammering home that a Loki exists as the embodiment, as the god of chaos and, and you know, to combat the order of the world. There's that element. But there's something more at play here, too, which is. Loki is responsible in Norse mythology, not necessarily in the in, in the MCU, but in Norse mythology, Loki's responsible for Ragnarok, not the fun movie that we got from Taika Waititi, but like the actual Norse apocalypse where everything dies, but then everything is reborn. There's a cyclical nature to it where, you know, it's almost like a snake eating its tail or like an Ouroboros, like whatever Obi's name is, like the, the, the thing that keeps on repeating is Ragnarok and it all circles around the actions of Loki. And so when you think about what's going on with the TVA and not just the TVA, but and we'll get to it, but things that are going on with He Who Remains, there's a lot of paradoxical things setting up the future, which will then come back to set up the past, which will then come back to set up the future. It's all very Ragnarok. It's all very Norse mythology. And it's the TVA and it's Loki. And in a way, I never really kind of put together until I was sitting there thinking about like this, like, man, what an awkward way to shove in the Norse stuff right here. And then I'm thinking like, wait, so much of Norse mythology is exactly what we're seeing playing out in the TVA. It just doesn't have that that dressing, that coating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes perfect sense that they've got Loki to be doing this storyline if it's in his nature to be so cyclical. 
Well, and it's it's two things. It's it's on the one hand, it's it's him being the catalyst that creates the loop. But then there's the other aspect of it too, which speaks to the godhood, right? Uh, 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 Mobius says like that. You're one of them. I I constantly forget. You should be up there. Wow. Like he he says something to that effect. And the funny thing, of course, is that Loki is only a god in the sense that he is celebrated as part of the pantheons of the gods. But he himself is not a god. He is a frost giant. But if you lean into the element of how they're positioning him, of you should have that kind of you know iconography around you and you should be celebrated because you are seen as one of these gods. We have the line in the trailer that we haven't seen play out yet, which is Loki pointing out to Sylvie, you know, when it comes to deciding life and death and playing God, we don't have to play God. We are gods. We are gods. Exactly. And you think about the massive, you know, I just just the the impact of everything that is going on right now. Despite the fact that it all looks so so silly and so like, you know, 70s era corporate yada yada and cult like and not cult in like a religious sense, but cult in like a, you know, Scientology sense, like everything is so bizarre looking. And yet it does circle around this divine nature of God's determining what the fate of the universe should be and whether or not it should be in the hands of mortals like he who remains or gods like Sylphie and, and, uh, and Loki. So anyway, that's kind of a lot up front, but I really wanted to kind of, it was, it was a blink and you miss it kind of a funny joke. Haha. Does that look like, you know, Odin and Thor's not that tall and nobody knows who Boulder is. But I also think it is like a, a moment where it, it's almost like the show smacking you in the face with like, Hey, if you've never noticed this before, this is what's going on. And it, for, for me anyway, that's what happened. I think I also, I guess, I don't know if Loki, he's just so into his current moment that maybe he feels disconnected from his past Ooh. and maybe it brings him back to, oh, oh yeah. Because in the last episode, he kind of was reminded, oh, you're a bad guy. You're the villain. Mm. And in this episode, he's like, oh, this is my home. This is my family and my real story. But I've been pulled from my own timeline. I don't get to live that out anymore. Wow. That's good. Yes, exactly. Ah, that's so good. Speaking of being pulled from their own timeline, uh, this really was an episode that was Judge Ren- Renslayer and He Who Remains, uh, their their episode. We get a chance to catch back up with her, and we also see her and Miss Minutes appearing at multiple points during the timeline. Now, I'm curious if you notice this, but when she first goes back to 30 years before kind of the main setting of this of this episode... At the bottom, it very specifically points out that she arrives on the sacred timeline. When she yes. jumps ahead, she's on a branched timeline. It makes sense by taking the actions that she did, which was you know bringing that book to that moment in time. She has now impacted the sacred timeline to create a branch that she has now jumped to, right? Mm-hmm. And so this whole scene, this whole sequence, and I remember thinking throughout the episode, it's like, man, they're changing a lot about the Chicago World's Fair. (laughs) Like, you know, there's a giant ghost clock that probably didn't happen on the sacred timeline. (laughs) Like, things like that. And at first I was like, man, are they getting sloppy? But then when I watched it the second time, that's when I started really paying attention to the details. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Like this whole branched concept allows them to really have some fun and do all kinds of crazy things, which is, by the way, the very thing that's overpowering the loom, <laughs> it's going to destroy. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's like, I guess they needed to create the branch so they could have a variant of he who remains since actual sacred timeline. He who remains is dead. Well, hmm. is mm-hmm. that what it is? I couldn't figure out why it was on a branch. Okay. 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 Let's, let's talk about he who remains here for a minute. Okay. Cause there's a lot about this character, right? So the concept of he who remains Victor timely, as he goes by in this episode, being from the past instead of the future. First things first, I call bull on that. Like this is, this is a complete bait and switch wool over the eyes type situation that Victor timely is from the 1800s. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is Miss Minutes is talking about him developing AI 
And I'm sorry, I see that he's got all these technological advancements. He doesn't have the materials to create AI and holographic technology in the 1800s. That's just, no, 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 no. Now I get it. He might be able to develop some kind of time travel. He's clearly on some stuff with the TVA handbook, but resources are still limited. I just don't think that we're seeing somebody, a Victor Timely. I don't think this is, I don't think his origins are in the 1800s. I think this is my stab in the dark. My first stab in the dark. We're going to have a lot of stabs in the dark this episode. I think that just like Renslayer brought the book to that window, somebody, probably he who remains, could be Kang, brought him his younger self to the 1800s to hide his younger self in the 1800s so that they could be there so that Miss Minutes and uh, Renslayer could also bring the book to that window to kind of create this moment of time and keep them in a bit of like a time capsule where they couldn't be found by either the other Kangs or by the TVA. I don't think he's originally from the 1800s. I think he lived the rest of his life in the 1800s in this branch timeline they've created. And I think that in the original, obviously in the sacred timeline, Kang puts, or he who remains puts a younger version of himself in the 1800s, maybe to keep that younger version of himself from ever becoming the Kang that will end up being the conqueror. But I don't think that he's originally from the 1800s. So little boy, Victor Timely, he's actually from whatever future year. Yeah. Little Vicky. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he was moved to the 1800s by himself or by, by his future self. I think he who remains the original now dead, the remains of he who remains before he was the remains of he who remains. And he was just he who remains. I think that he took a younger version of himself. Or I think he took a, like the Franklin Richards. I, I'm still standing by him being Franklin Richards. They may change it all. I know. I realize it's a stab in the dark for a reason. I think that he took the younger version of himself from the future and put that younger version of himself in the 1800s. He's like, okay, me who causes all this problems, we're not going to uh, put a situation that causes all this problems. We're going to take you and we're going to take you away from all this technology and progress. And we're going to put you back in the 1800s, which terrible idea. But anyway, puts him back in the 1800s. He's like, all right, you could do back here. You can't do any, anything that's going to like destroy the multiverse or like create, you know, you're not going to discover multi-dimensional interdimensional time travel in the 1800s so i'm keeping you back here and then that way there is no interdimensional war that's how basically he who remains kept the the war from happening the sacred timeline is the one where he removes him he removes the franklin richards from the future and puts them in the past you see what i'm saying and so miss minutes who i don't not sure is really operating on the, the will of he who remains i think miss minutes is operating on her own will wants to create a new kang And so that's why she's like, okay, we're going to bring this thing over here and we're going to create the multiversal war again. So once we create the multiversal war again, then another he who remains will emerge and that he who remains will be back. Everybody thinks that Obi is the big bad of this this season, the series, right? It's clearly Miss Minutes. And I get it. Obi has his own thing. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, that's my theory. That's my stab in the dark. Do we know how he can just move his younger self? From time to time, he's got a time pad. Okay. Yeah, I guess you got to remember pushes him through. You're not thinking fourth dimensionally. He, he, it's, it's, it's his future self. Did this in the past? Yes. It's actually a all right. So okay, do I need to get the whiteboard out again? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's tracking. It's a pre-season one. He who remains after he defeats. All the other Kangs are after he survives, after he's the only one that remains, he goes, the, probably the first thing he does is he goes and he takes himself in a timeline and takes it and says, you, you're a kid. You haven't done anything bad yet. Let me take you and I'm not going to kill you. Maybe he thought he, maybe he thought about killing his younger self, but he didn't do it. And so he's like, you know what? Let me just put you in a era where you can't do any harm. So I'm going to take you here. I'm going to drop you. Here's some random house, which by the way, Victor Timely says, oh, I don't live here. Like, and it's the same place where he was a kid, right? So like, he acknowledges like, that's not where he lives. He was just dropped off at that house. So he's like, I'm gonna take you, I'll put you in the past where you can do no harm. And then he who remains goes and he creates the TVA and everything else. And a lot, you know, everything then happens. I'm following. Yeah. So that's, that's how, that's how he was. 
That's my he who remains Victor Timely. He's definitely Franklin Richards still stab in the dark. All right. I, I think it tracks. I see it. I see it. I think I it tracks. <laughs> uh, Miss Minutes. By the way, we were very prophetic in our jokes leading up to this podcast about Miss Minutes becoming Mrs. Hours. Mrs. M- Mrs. Hours. That's right. That's her goal. Wow. Really, Did you see that turn? I, I mean... I feel like as soon as the three of them were together, you could tell on her face, oh, I see where this is going. But I didn't see it from, you know, that far away. But man, she was jealous. She was super jelly. Like her, the the her in the background constantly giving like the evil eye <laughs> to uh, Ritzley. Yeah, the animation was incredible. I got some very she like. really did feel kind of like a human by the expressions they were giving her. Well, you know, so that is, you know, maybe this plays into some some things we'll talk about later. But Victor Timely from the comics was, if I'm not mistaken, responsible for creating a technology called the Life Model Decoy uh, or LMD. LMD would be a, a constant get out of jail free card for a lot of like comic book characters of like, oh, we've got Nick Fury. And then we, we just killed Nick Fury. But then it's like, oh, but it's not him. It's a Life Model Decoy. Um Actually, even in the MCU, LMDs were referenced in the first Avengers movie when Coulson's trying to get a hold of Tony and uh, Tony grabs his phone and is like, I'm sorry, you have reached the life model decoy of Tony Stark. You know, So this is a technology that theoretically does exist in the MCU, and it would actually go on to be invented by none other than Victor Timely, who, interestingly enough, huh. is not a variant of Kang. He is, in fact, Kang. Oh, so a couple things with that. One, the concept of like he had all those little bodies around his office, right? Like he's working on this kind of like clearly some sort of robotic nature to it. So playing into the LMD aspect of things, playing into the fact that Miss Minutes wants a body, right? That there's like kind of this desire for her consciousness to be put into some sort of body, uh, playing into that. But also as maybe even like a mental reminder of like, oh, you know, the person that actually created all that tech was Kang the Conqueror. Wasn't some variant of Kang. It was the Kang. Very possible that what Miss Minutes has done is she's actually created Kang. What? That's what this is what I'm, I think we just watched the origins for Kang the Conqueror in this episode. And that by creating this branch, this is the branch in which Kang the Conqueror comes from, which will start off the multiversal war. Think about what Miss Minutes said. When he's like, oh, uh, uh, yes, you know, like Frederick Douglass, I mean, uh, uh, Victor Timely's over here. He's like, oh, you're quite singular or whatever he said. And she's like, like, oh, well, you're pretty singular yourself, or at least you will be right. She's commentating on the fact Mm. that this is not he who remains. This is not the singular one. This is a variant of he who remains, but it's actually the Kang variant. I think that this is the one like this is why she wants to create this variant is because Kang Kang the Conqueror is the one that will kick off the multiversal war. And he's the one that will turn her into a real girl. So it's like, it's a little bit of both, right? She wants to be a real girl, but she also seems to have the desire for he who remains to come back because she's clearly a little attached. A bit. It also speaks into Sylvie's arc this episode, right? Because she pops up and is, you know, wanting to, you know, kill him. She said, hey, another one comes up, she's going to kill him. And she's Put, put in this position where she has to choose, do I take away this guy's free will, right? Because he hadn't done anything just mm. like when I was a little girl and I hadn't done anything. And now I want to eradicate him just like the TVA wanted to eradicate me. She's become the very thing that she hates, right? That's the obvious. Yep. Perhaps there's a not so obvious aspect of this too, which is she's standing in front of the question of what do you do with Hitler who's a baby, right? Like the, the I did think about baby Hitler. Exactly. So the, the, the concept is not necessarily like, I know we're kind of presented with that, with the whole he who remains thing. But again, I think it's less about she's standing over the primordial he who remains and is in fact standing over the primordial Kang the Conqueror, who from a certain point of view is way worse than he who remains. And yet she chooses not to kill him because he's over here making the commentary of, I, I haven't done anything yet. I have, you know, whatever you think mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I did not do and I have not done yet. It's interesting. Yeah, she really can see herself in Victor Timely at that time. Yes. He's like, don't take away my free will if you don't know what I can do. Um, Exactly. I will say, I was watching the entire episode not thinking about Kang. I was just thinking about He Who Remains. So all of my theories and stuff are not at all related to Kang. 
That's good. I feel like that's actually that's going to be more grounded than a lot of because my I'm I'm doing a lot of big swings for the fences with mine. So we actually need some. I more. mean, I can see them. They they make sense. We'll see. We'll see. I get. I'm 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 kind of swinging for the fences, and I realized that. Mobius, uh, you know, I, I'm Mobius and Renslayer back together again. Uh, some some clear resentment there. You know, th- there was some romantic vibes between them in the first season. I was kind of wondering if that were going to rekindle that, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think the whole you tried to kill me thing really put a damper in things for Mobius. I don't know. And I mean, Sylvie and Loki seem to make it work. Yeah, but they're like mischief people. And and Mobius is all about order. He doesn't want you to try to kill him. You know, I actually did have a um, I did have a theory after last week because you know how we've been trying to like predict like oh Hunter um, X twenty three or X five or whatever his name is X five yes favorite boy Brad. Uh, I was wondering. I was like, oh, I wonder if I wonder if he's the son of Sylvie and Mobius. Like, do Mobius and Sylvie get together because Mobius is <laughs> loves Loki? <laughs> You know what I mean? uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I, Loki is my best friend and you're Loki. So right, and she's right. like, oh, you're Loki's best friend and I love and <laughs> sort of want to kill him. So we should get together. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, that's I'm not that's not a stab in the dark. I'm willing to take. I'm pretty sure I would hit something I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just wait till till my stab in the dark. Um <laughs> Okay, we're, we're getting, we're definitely getting there. By the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, Casey because um, I, I I blanked on Casey's name last week. You were able to, to kind of hold us, hold us accountable there. Um, Casey, this is kind of like a little side fun fact. He's his he's the voice actor of a character from a show called um, Lower Decks, which is a Star Trek thing. It's a comedy animated deal, and his character Rutherford on Lower Decks is like I remember like last week in particular was dealing with a rogue AI. And so having Casey talk about the rogue AI of Miss Minutes was very much like, okay, guys, y'all can't, you can't play this the same episodes <laughs> where this actor is dealing with a rogue AI. <laughs> I mean, the guy who plays Obi, he's big for everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a multiversal movie. So hey, he is getting a little tight cast, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just glad he's getting roles. Let's talk about Obi. Okay, you've been on this kick for a while. You think that Obi's the big bad or that he's like, you know, he's the Agatha all along character here. Yes, I now have a totally different theory about Obi, but it it's uh, connected to one of my later stabs in the dark. Okay, all right. This You see, if you're, if you're picking up already, like Lorraine has got this very elaborate like stab in the dark <laughs> that she's about to be taken. But I want to say this, because this is, this is my thoughts on Obi. I think my, my current theory on Obi is that he... This entire loom situation, he's kind of orchestrating because I've been trying to hear. I've been sitting here thinking like, I get that the the loom is overloading, but if so much, I mean, Kang even mentions like, oh, you know, I'm reading this book. I feel like I'm having this conversation with Obi and it's kind of this connection and everything else. It's possible that Obi is not human and he's he doesn't have a variant or anything like that, but he's like the physical embodiment of what his name actually means, right? That he is actually this kind of paradoxal entity that was kind of created when the loom went online. That's one That's one concept. One way or the other though, I do think that a lot of what's going on is being orchestrated by Obi so that he can get he who remains back to the TVA. But I don't know why. I don't know if it's revenge I don't know if it's because he secretly wants to take control. If he's bitter about, you know, the fact that, Hey, I create, you stole my ideas. That's certainly kind of presented in the Victor timely approach to things. But at the same time, if my current theory is right, Victor timely is not responsible for the TVA. Victor timely is going to become Kang. So I don't know. I'm very curious to see where we end up going, but that's my current theory on Obi. So if he's not a human, is he an LMD created by Kang? (gasps) Oh, what maybe i mean how else do you create opie you know if he's not a real person is this oh is this kang's first lmd whoa create the tva and it's just like that's why you named him ouroboros whoa 
<laughs> okay. And that's maybe. why he's the only one that can tell what how many years are in the TVA or how to do anything. He because he has all of that knowledge of yeah. Victor Timely slash Kang to write the book because he was created by him. If you look at kind of the concept of Miss Minutes as being just a consciousness with no body, and then Obi is a consciousness with a body, he never sleeps. He says that. He says, I never sleep. Mm-hmm. He's an LMD. Okay, that's a good stab in the dark. That's a good stab in the dark, Low. That's solid. That's solid. Let's see. Yes. Let's see where it goes. All right, we got so many more stabs in the dark. We've got this massive, elaborate stab in the dark that, that Lorraine's about to take. But before we do that, and I feel like I feel like we're stretching here. I need everybody to like you know reach a little bit, you know, uh, move move the arms around because we're getting ready to stretch. All right, we've done that. All right, touch the toes, reach for the sky, all that kind of good stuff. We're ready. We're stretched out. Let's go ahead and get ready to stretch. Here we go. Taylor, watch. All right, Lorraine, there was was no Taylor Swift references this episode. I don't even know why we're having this segment this week. I mean, I did actually kind of look and technically at one point, at one point, uh, Victor Timely says something along the lines of, I'm not the man you think I am. And Taylor Swift does have a song called The Man. So you could say there's actually a reference there, but that's, that's not what I, that's, that's not the stretch I'm actually going for. Uh (laughs) So yes, there was no obvious Swift lyric in this episode, which I'm not going to lie, was a disappointment. There was something that did seem reminiscent of one of her songs. Uh, She's got this incredible song with Bon Iver called Exile. And the big chorus says, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. And it ends with us back at the end of time with the decaying he who remains remains. Mm-hmm. And it gave mm-hmm. me the feeling, I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. So that is our Taylor Swift reference that I mean, I thought was the most obvious from this episode. Uh, yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> People are loving the Taylor watch. I'm shocked by this, but we're people are enjoying this. So it's going to keep happening as long as we can. But that's a reach. I don't know that we can reach any further than that. That's that's she's got so many songs anyway. And this one is about the end of time. <laughs> well, there you go. That's your Taylor watch for this week. We'll be right back with some stabs in the dark. Okay, so stabs in the dark. Um, first of all, let me let me just get this one out of the way because this is something that has been very popular, uh, and so it's it's out there. Mobius is the McDonald's guy. You've you've seen this. This has been oft discussed. Yes, I have seen it on the interwebs. Yeah, yeah, I I buy it. There's something about his face that looks a little CGI altered. So you know, and the character did show up like twice in a somewhat mildly meaningful way that kind of implies maybe this is an important person even though we're not going to really name him or anything. So yeah, I, I could see it. And he's, he seems to have a special bond with Sylvie, which makes sense because Sylvie is a Loki variant. And Mobius is all about the Loki. Yeah. He's like, he's like obsessed, you know, it's like, wow, the Loki is right here. You used wow. to be one of them. You're, you're one of them. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was supposed to be at McDonald's saving up for a team. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, if this was during a time when when McDonald's had a promo that was like, oh, if you eat this much McDonald's, you can win a jet ski. Oh, they I should, should do that. that. That now hang on. That's a great <laughs> that's where's that tie-in? Um, okay, but anyway, <laughs> it's not our stab in the dark, it's just one that's very popular right now. So I wanna, you know, we we buy it, we we see it, you know, it's it's you know, we'll see where it goes. But I want to hear about the epic Lorraine elaborate stab in the dark that you're about to take. Let's lay lay it out. Okay, so at the end of the episode, Miss Minute says, I know a real big secret about you, but it's going to make you angry, which also makes me think of a Taylor Swift song called Mad Woman. But anyways. Um, we already did that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I forgot there was another one in there. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, okay, yes, cool. a female character is angry. Oh, there's a Taylor Swift song about that? <laughs> Come on. There you go. It's, it's called There's Nothing Like a Mad Woman. So anyways... So at the end of the episode, Miss Minute says, I know a secret about you, but it's going to make you real angry. 
And we're just left thinking, what is the secret? So my theory is probably what many of your theories is that it was actually supposed to be Renslayer. She was she who remains. And she and he who remains. Like, I think if you, you know how Loki prunes the wall and it goes from the timekeepers to Kang? I think if you prune it again, you're going to see Renslayer as she who remains. Like, she's the ultimate creator of the whole TVA. She's actually the one that created the TVA. She's the one that wrote the TVA handbook. And Obi is just a person to cover it up because when he who remains and she who remains got in their epic power struggle and he who remains was victorious. Uh, he wiped Renslayer's memory and he changed the creator of the TVA handbook to be this guy named Ouroboros, who maybe is an LMD that he just created to be like, Oh, this is the guy that did it. It definitely was not Renslayer. And her memory's been wiped, so she doesn't remember any of this. And, I mean, you can tell she's, it's in her nature. She wants the power. And it's going to make her real angry if she finds out, oh, I'm the one that created all of this. Um, and it's this guy that's taking my credit. Which so. would, and and I mean, like, so you're circling around something. It's like, yes, I love loving all of this. But this circles all, uh, all around a potentially even deeper truth. That Renslayer is... Kang? Dun, dun, dun. Not not the Kang. She would obviously be a Kang variant, but like a Kang. Yes, she's a Kang. A big Kang. Or a Quang. Sorry. She's she's Kang. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but no, think about it. Sylvie being a female Loki, right? Ren, uh, mm-hmm. Renslayer being a female Kang. The fact that she was used to prune like essentially who she is and what she is intertwining these two stories at the beginning of this episode, we got kind of reminders of like, you know, previously on Loki where we get the scenes from last week and whatnot, or not, not just last week, but also last season. We specifically have the question of Sylvie saying, what was my, you know, new nexus moment. And Rensselaer is like, I forgot kind of laughing about the fact that she forgot a, maybe she didn't B maybe it was removed from her mind and C Maybe it was connected to the fact that Renslayer was taking out Sylvie because Sylvie was originally going to take out Renslayer because Renslayer was the OG Kang or the OG she who remains. Yes. Sylvie's Nexus event definitely has to do with that. Although that's not the crazy theory that I will bring up later. Okay. No, keep Uh, going. Keep going. Keep cooking. Let's go. Let's go. Well, my crazy, my crazy insane Sylvie Nexus event theory is, uh, so you know when Miss Minutes is like, Hey, you never made me a real person. I was like, wait, what if Sylvie's Nexus event is that she becomes the physical embodiment of Miss Minutes? <laughs> and that cannot happen. <laughs> so she is. You missed. Oh, no, you missed. Oh, no. You did some real damage on that stab in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> there. I said it. It was my immediate reaction. And I was like, it's so dumb. But what if? <laughs> what? <laughs> so Sylvie wait wait wait, wait. Say, say it again 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 Sylvie's nexus of it right. is that she becomes the physical embodiment of Miss Minutes <laughs> Miss Minutes who falls in love with he who remains yes I mean that's 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 tension you know that's that's uh it's romantic you know, chemistry, hatred, and love are only a degree off or whatever. Um, and then they, well, never mind. That would be a crazy addition to this. <laughs> based on what I previously said, so. <laughs> and then their child is Rinsler. <laughs> yeah. Is that where you were going with it? Yeah. I was oh like, oh, God. naturally. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And- All right. Well, Loki TV talk is canceled, y'all. This was fun. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious um yeah no i think that's way wrong but uh i I was thinking maybe there's some sort of tie to like her becoming renslayer or renslayer becoming miss minutes or maybe even that recording that we heard of either he who remains victor timely or kang talking to a renslayer in the recording in the past theoretical past um 
may have actually not been Renslayer at all, but may have been Miss Minutes talking through Renslayer. Like, so maybe, uh, you know, uh, Miss Minutes will possess Renslayer in some form or fashion. That, that I could see something like that, but not Sylvie. Mm-mm. No, I can't go with you on that one. <laughs> hey, it's a stab in the dark. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's great! Uh, that was that was the best thing ever. Um, and then also, you mentioned kind of this concept of the timekeepers being like we're actually seeing the timekeepers right now. Yeah. So uh, the the timekeepers, there's three of them. So you know, maybe they came up with the legend of the timekeepers together. They're like, oh, we'll oh. tell everyone it's these timekeepers, but it's it's really just a you know a figure face for Miss Minutes, she who remains, and he who remains. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I, I see that. I see that. I still, I still like the idea of the timekeepers being real, but just defeated by uh, he who remains. And like, you know, he comes in, like takes over what they're doing. I think we, it, it, there's an interesting aspect of all of this, which is what we've seen at the beginning of this entire post infinity war phase of the MCU where Kang or the concept of Kang is built up to be this massive threat, bigger than Thanos, bigger than anything that we've ever faced, more dangerous, more terrifying, all that stuff. And in Loki season one, we're very much left with that. In fact, in this episode specifically, we see Loki acting with that level of fear and reverence to the power that he who remains kind of represents and could potentially be. However, since then, uh, Ant-Man kind of, defanged Kang a little bit because Ant-Man was able to defeat him and it wasn't that terribly difficult. If that even was the actual Kang, that could just have been another variant. I hope that they kind of retcon it so that that's just a variant. Um, We also see at the very end of that episode, a council of Kangs and a massive council of Kangs using, by the way, uh, Reed Richards-esque technology, still speaking to the fact that Kang is like the, the Victor Timely, the, the Kang, he who remains, they're all Franklin Richards. They're all tied to Reed Richards in some form or fashion or using his technology in that kind of way. So there's that. I feel as though as they're kind of exploring this, if they go with your theory, like I said, with with the Renslayer being kind of the original she who remains, or just with what they kind of set up with Victor Timely, this concept of like, he's kind of a charlatan. He's, he's like literally copying what other people are doing. It takes the kind of defanging of Kang to a whole nother level. Where it's like, he doesn't do anything. He's literally just copying everybody else's stuff. And that's where I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think he has the potential to do all this. I think that's the interesting aspect of this kind of Victor Timely approach to a Kang variant. But I don't think, I, I do think what we're going to see, is, like we, we kind of need, I, again, there's also the Jonathan Majors kind of question mark of it all. Is, is Marvel trying to walk back kind of putting all their chips in kind of their original plans for who Kang was and what they want to do with Kang or because of things happening off screen and kind of all the, the trials and, you know, regardless of how everything kind of shakes out controversy in general is not always popular for any kind of brand to associate itself with. So from that standpoint, Marvel might be Disney. Marvel might be, you know, trying to walk back a lot of the, the, Kang is this ultimate evil to like, I mean, you know, Kang, you know, maybe we only thought he was an ultimate evil. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. And I was feeling that a little bit last week. It'll be very interesting to see once this season is done, if we're going to be presented with, as my uh, initial theory is, the creation of the real Kang the Conqueror who we've never seen before until this season, or if we're going to see a complete defanging of Kang with a new threat emerging after this season. One of those two things I think is going to definitely happen. And that's kind of my, my final stab in the dark. So then she who remains could be King the Conqueror. Well, and that's the thing. I think by making she who, if, if we go with kind of the Renslayer as a, she who remains, not just because she wants to be, but because she actually already was she who remains. Then my mindset is that works. If she's a Kang, if she is a Kang variant, and that way, it's kind of a blending of the two. Now you have kind of this new threat in a Renslayer approach while also paying homage and kind of building off of what you've said that Kang represents as kind of this conquering force. 
or maybe she's just the she who remains in kind of an altruistic fashion. But then there is still this, you know, you know, true one true Kang the Conqueror, who I still believe we probably saw the creation of this week uh, on on this week's episode. I had one more thought just that I remember watching it that uh, when they were on the branch timeline in 1893, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if this is why Docs is trying to uh, bomb all the branches is because she knows that this is happening and that they're trying to get the TVA handbook in the hands of Victor Timely. And she doesn't mm. want the TV. If she's, if Docs is Sylvie, then she doesn't want the TVA to ever be created. So that's why mm-hmm. she's bombing all the branches. Which then means I she's doing that, the very thing that she's trying to stop from happening. Exactly. But he actually gets the book on the sacred timeline. So no matter what bombing she does, like he's at least still going to like the TVA is inherently going to at least exist. That's interesting. I mean, the reality though, is that every single branch comes from the state sacred timeline. So regardless, you know what I mean? Like you have to arrive on the sacred timeline to create a branch. Either way, he's getting the book on the sacred timeline. I don't know. I don't think the docs plan was all that great because it was like, Oh, you, you succeeded in like destroying all of these branches until like they grow back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah, oh, but- I thought the branches were supposed to be gone, but mm-hmm. yeah. no, no, they all they all grow back. That's the thing. Like that's you, you can slice it off, but it's gonna be back. All right. Well, hey, we do have some listener feedback this week, and uh, we want to give a shout out here to uh, listener Craig who wrote in. What did Craig have to say? Hey guys, love the podcast. I don't know how Loki ha- hasn't mentioned this yet, but Obi's name is directly related to what is happening. An Ouroboros is a snake eating its own tail and is the circular infinity symbol used to discuss time travel. I recently rewatched the 12 Monkeys series and it was prominent in that. I noticed it immediately when they met him and it has to tie in. Since Mobius's name is also directly related to time travel, maybe both of them are needed in order to keep the loop that is the TVA and Kang's origin going. If they pull Kang from the past, they will put him on a path towards becoming he who remains, which means it's all circular. I'm a Flash TV talk listener from the beginning and glad you decided to do Loki. Lorraine, you're an awesome addition. It's great to have a voice of someone that is new to all of this. Also, the Taylor Swift thing is definitely on purpose. What? Craig. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Craig. That really is so nice. I appreciate the positive feedback as someone who is new to all of this. Absolutely. Really appreciate you, Craig. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. The uh, Aurora Boris, as we kind of discussed a little bit this this week, uh, is very intentional and seems to be, and I think does speak directly to what's going on there. Although I really like Lorraine, your 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 uh, your new theory about him being a life model duplicate. I think that's our life model I think duplicate. it makes the most sense. That's interesting. That's going to be fun to see how it plays out. Hey, we'd love to hear y'all's yeah. feedback as well. Uh, you can write into the show, show at LokiTVTalk.com. Remember, this is a brand new podcast. So if you've not done so already, head over to iTunes, write us a review to let us know your thoughts. It goes a long way to helping the show get discovered by other Loki fans so that we can all be Loki variants together. <laughs> That's, uh, be sure to uh, follow us too throughout the week. Again, you can email the show, show at LokiTVTalk.com. You can follow me. I'm at Incognitebo on Instagram. And Lorraine? I'm nobody here, really. <laughs> you can also follow you can also follow our Mardi Gras crew at crew of Loki that's crew with a K-R-E-W-E uh, all those links and more are found in the show notes for this episode uh, also hey follow us on uh, the I'm going to say Twitter I refuse to call it anything else you can follow us on Twitter uh, at TV Talk FM is the place to do it we've taken over the TV Talk uh, channel at least for the next couple of weeks why? because we're Lokis that's why Uh, Be sure to, uh, you can follow us there for some fun throughout the week as well. Stay tuned after the music for a little bit of Crew of Lorkey. If you are interested at all about the going on behind the scenes of our Mardi Gras crew, that's going to do it for us for today. But until next time. For all time. Always. Oh, wait, that's X-Men. I went I went with a different theme. Uh big news. We're now officially registered with the crew of Chewbacca's. Yay. Yay. So it's uh so for the longest time I was trying to register the crew and I wasn't able to get through. And I was like, oh no, oh. are they not gonna accept us again this year? I was very nervous. <laughs> I would still just show up. I'm just kidding. We would not do that. We would have no, to be officially registered. No, no. Although, you know, last year, that's the thing. We 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 were a very small group. We were our initial group of like three. 
but there were a lot of Lokis that band with us. And so the crew of Loki grew over the course of the parade. And I'm not even sure that some of those Lokis were part of the parade. I think they might've just been in the crowd and they jumped in and joined us. Yeah. There was definitely a group right behind us that just kind of showed up at the end. And I was like, Oh, y'all kind of look like we belong in the same movie. Yeah. No, there was like a wonder uh, woman Loki and a Pikachu Loki. And there was all kinds of Lokis and they like all of a sudden like latched onto us, which is great. We're not, we're not here to hate more, you know, the more Lokis, the better, but it was just kind of like, where where does y'all come from? (laughs) Clearly, clearly somewhere during the parade, is when Sylvie stabbed he who remains because all of the, <laughs> all the variants popped up. We were just branching here and there and everywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm excited, uh, Lorraine, because you'll be here in Houston uh, very soon. Yes, in like two weeks. Will we be able to record together here? Uh, it depends. We'll have to discuss logistics, but it's possible. Okay, that'd be fun if if possible. If not, then we'll we'll figure it out. I've got. Yes, because of plans those days. But hopefully, yes. Well, we have to create the mischievous Milner um, for the superior Loki hammer that I showcased uh, on our first episode. I, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what needs to be on it. But beyond that, the main thing is we need to figure out throws. Are we still doing? Do we want to do bookmarks again? I really liked the bookmarks, and I'm not that creative, so I say yes. Maybe just a few crowns. I like the idea of a crowns, but I couldn't figure out how to do that so that it's giving people horns. Um, I guess we would probably do like a, a elastic headband and then some hot gluing of the horns. Okay. So they wouldn't be super high quality, but they would be handmade. No, I love that concept, especially if we had like a crew of Loki on the on the forehead, like on the like the yeah the front of the band, and then the horns on either side. They don't have to be massive horns. Any chance yeah. you think you could whip up a prototype? Because if you could whip up a prototype, then we can find up find the materials and all that kind of good stuff. I'll work on it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Well, I'll, I'll continue to work on our our bookmarks. The only parody th- that I have so far is I want to do the um, he gets us campaign, but Loki gets us. <laughs> and uh, that so good. Yeah. So I I I worked on a bunch of um concepts for that. I'll probably put post them up to the Twitter. And see what kind of feedback we get on. Uh, yeah, it's a good idea. Which versions? Because I don't want to do the whole. Like I, I like every single bookmark. If we do three uh, variants again, them to all be very different. Last year we yeah. had, uh, "Are you there, Loki? It's me, Loki," which was great. We had a kind of a a Scientology Mormon Church of Mormon esque pamphlet for uh, <laughs> for following Loki for glorious purpose, and we had um, oh Loki can do it. He can do it all. Yeah, Loki can do it. He could do it all. And it was like Uncle Sam, Loki, and then like a Norman Rockwell mom holding the turkey Loki. And uh, and then, of course, Rhodey, Ru- um, what's her name? Rhodey Ruder? Riveter. Riveter, yeah, uh, as Loki. It was, it was, I'm very proud of how those turned out. <laughs> they were great. They're a big crowd pleaser. So yeah. they yeah. were awesome. You did a good right. job we'll, with that. We'll do it again. I do have one that's like straight out of Jotunheim. And it's the Loki, but it's the the what if Loki where he's like, you know, jacked. And he's wearing the ice, you know, type deal. Um, I think that's that's a pretty decent one. I don't know. I'll I'll throw it up. Yeah. Like I said, if you've not followed us on uh, on Twitter, uh, I'll throw it up on the TV Talk FM Twitter handle, and might pitch it out to the Instagram as well. So if you're interested, uh, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Crew Loki. Yeah, you can do a poll on there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. That's a little little behind the scenes for Crew Loki this week. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Thank y'all.